Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Wednesday of the sixth week of Easter, May the 17th. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verse 15, and 22 through 18, chapter 18, verse 1, Acts chapter 17, verse 15, and then verses 22 through chapter 18, verse 1. And the impression that can be given so far is that Paul and Barnabas and Silas and all who have been converted to the preaching and teaching of Paul and his companions, that it's been nothing but green skies and blue lights, Tremendous preaching, God working tremendous signs, freeing Paul and saving him from death, opening prisons for him, uh, converting even the guards who were sent to watch him, uh, the various signs that Paul works in terms of preaching and teaching. And it's just one grand time of success after Easter. Well, we're brought up into reality, a kind of spiritual cold water in the face, uh, because Paul is going to deal in this particular selection with disappointment, with rejection, with uh, downright uh, disaster. Uh, Paul uh, gets on a boat and he's taken as far as Athens by an escort. Uh, and then returned uh, for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible in Athens. And so Paul is in Athens, the great city of Greek philosophy, of worldly wisdom. And Paul goes to their great center of worship, the Acropagus, and he begins his uh, teaching, his preaching, and he says, men of Athens, I note that in every respect you are scrupulously religious. As I walked around looking at your shrines, I even discovered an altar inscribed with, quote, to a God unknown. Now what you are thus worshiping in ignorance, I intend to make known to you. Now notice the uh, compliment followed by a goodly dose of arrogance. You all have been ignorant in terms of what you are worshiping. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with ignorance. We're all ignorant of something. He didn't say they were stupid. He said they were ignorant. They didn't know. But what he tends to do is, I will now give you, uh, in your ignorance, uh, the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth to get you out of your ignorance. And he begins by teaching them about God in very abstract ways. He begins to teach about God, and he's trying to teach them in terms of worldly philosophy, in terms of worldly knowledge. And he comes to that point where he says, 
that um, God has overlooked all of this, and now he is going to talk to you about one whom God has raised from the dead. But he never mentions the name of Jesus Christ. He says, the one whom God has raised and uh, from the dead, the resurrection. And this, of course, completely turns them off. The Greek philosophers, especially those who are devoted to Plato and to the Greek wisdom, how can the dead be raised? In fact, that's a horror because for the philosopher Plato, the body, Plato says, the body is the tomb of the soul, the tomb. It's a prison. It's a place where the soul, the immortal part, which is always seeking to get back to what for Plato is God, the supreme idea, an idea, not a person, an idea, to be reabsorbed back into that idea where it began. And the thought of that, why would anybody want to be resurrected back into this body? It's temporal, it's uh, corruptible, it will die, it decays, it grows old, grows weaker, it has all kinds of aches and pains, and it has to face death again. Why would it ever want to come back into this body? And so the reaction of the people there uh, is anything but, oh, that's wonderful, tell us. And the Acts of the Apostle tells us when they heard about the raising of the dead, some sneered while others said, we must hear you on this topic some other time. In other words, they're giving him the brush off. This idea of the resurrection of, of the dead, uh, of the body. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. You know, it's like going for the purchase of a car. And you tell the uh, salesman, uh, well, well, let me think about it. I'll, I'll call you later. Or someone who says, I'll call you later. Don't wait for the call probably not coming. And at this point, Paul left them. A few did join him, a few. However, uh, to become believers. Among those were Dionysius, a member of the court of the Agropolis, and a woman named Denarius, and a few others. After that, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. After this, he just got a few. Uh, a woman, an, an official of the court, and a few others. But this whole notion of the resurrection, that that's something that they were not about to buy into. But throughout this, this speech, this teaching, uh, it doesn't connect. It's a disaster. It's a failure. Pure and simple. It's a failure. Especially Paul's expectation. Paul's expectation is, wow, they're going to hear this. I'm going to make a tremendous inroads into Athens. Boy, I'm, I'm really on a roll now. 
just the opposite. It's a dead end. And Paul has to make his way back to Corinth. And outside of Corinth, as Corinth comes into sight, Paul is overwhelmed with a sense of grief, of disappointment, maybe even bordering on despair. He's despondent. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him. You know, the Holy Spirit is telling him, you never mentioned the word Jesus Christ. You never mentioned the risen Lord. You didn't preach the gospel. You preached yourself. You, you were going to be the one who were going to convert them. Not the Holy Spirit. Not God touching their minds and hearts. But you were front and center. And that's a wonderful lesson for us. When we do not preach Christ and him crucified and risen, when we preach ourselves, it will be a disaster because we have not raised the dead. We have not come from the Father as the Lord and Savior. That's his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And all that we do in thought, word, and deed must always be done in the name of Christ. We are the disciples of Christ, called to follow Christ, and not ourselves. We are not to develop a cult of personality around us. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Oh, isn't she insightful and wise? It's all a gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we lose, when we lose track of that, when we lose sight of that, we are preaching ourselves. And Paul, Paul begins to weep as he looks over the city of Corinth. But it's also a gift, this episode. Failure can be a gift if we have the humility and if we think about what we have done and why we have done it. Have we done it for ourselves? to obtain the praise of others? Or are we directing it always to the one who is Lord and Savior? The one who dwells within us, the Holy Spirit, always back to the Father, who is the giver of all. And so, in our own life, when we, when we face disappointments, when, when we have been looking for the praise of others rather than the glory of God. And we, we have a tendency to want to blame them. They're just too stupid. Their hearts are too cold. Their minds are closed. They don't want to listen. Maybe they listen too well. And they weren't accepting you. Because we come in the name of Christ, not in our own name. And I've seen it too many times, seen it too many times, that preaching, teaching ourselves is not the preaching and teaching of the gospel. That's not what we were baptized for. That's not what the great gift of faith is for. It's to proclaim Christ and him crucified. 
So let us each day be ever mindful that living within us is the Holy Spirit. And we are called in our own lives to preach and to teach Christ in our thoughts, our words, our actions. But a way in which we live that invites others to find out more about Jesus Christ. That's the name. That's the one. Not some abstract notion of God, not some kind of spirit, all that sort of stuff. Not that spirituality, but the name of Christ crucified and risen. That is our power. That is our mission. That is the great grace we have been given through faith. We have been privileged and blessed to proclaim the name of Christ. So let us today, as this day unfolds, let us go forth in the name of Christ. In any good we do this day, any minds and hearts that are touched by our words, our actions, our prayers, let us never forget it is God working through us. And let us offer to God glory, praise, and thanksgiving for calling on us to be his faithful disciples and vessels in that part of the world today that has been granted to us. May Christ be ever in our hearts and on our lips. God bless you.